been saying since talk about people are just reviewing the first one by proxy, but, and that is what we're doing right now. But, the, really but, but I, I think but the reason I, I think the reason for that for me, I, I, I'm sure this is not the case for you two, but the reason for me is that I find the first one infinitely more interesting. Thing though, it's a it's a sequel that's so tied to its to its source, um, and a lot of people have been saying I've, a lot of people have quoted it as it being saying it's one of the greatest sequels of all time, and I think. In terms of like building on your theme, building on the world, building on characters, it's really, really at that phrasing of being one of the best sequels. Because it really does just, for me, watching it is, it's like, I don't get why people like Blade Runner so much. Like, I totally get on a tactical level, and it's, it's a marvel, but like, overall as a movie, like, I don't think it. I don't think it buries into its themes enough. I, I think the main plot thread is kind of boring. I think the whole movie is kind of paced very slowly to the point that it, it does get quite boring. This is like what I... this My reaction to this movie feels like how people react to Blade Runner. I think, I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's fantastic. This is Till the Words Run Out by singer-songwriter Josh Nolan off his album Fair City Lights, which you can purchase off iTunes and other sources in our show notes. We'll have those links available. But the voice you heard before this song was from the Popcorn Muncher podcast, the hosts debating their experiences, evaluating Blade Runner 2049, and reevaluating the original film. Uh, this episode will not be about Blade Runner, but it will be about that process of revisiting films and giving them a second chance. And to do that, we are inspired by the new release, Happy Death Day, which, unfortunately for Blade Runner fans, has been a bigger hit than that film. Uh, but I assure you we don't talk about it too much, just enough to steal the concept as it applies to film discussion, and in particular, film discussion that you can find on podcasts we recommend. So after listening to this, hopefully you'll check out the Popcorn Muncher. And uh, we have one more coming up for you, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But here is David Hart, co-hosting the show with me, Michael Denniston, and welcome to Marcus Played. Alright, so uh, for this week's version of Marcus Played, um, it should be a shock that we're even continuing this facade. So just for the, the death rattle, <laughs> Dave, your first appearance from Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah. Finally happening. We've talked about you. Yeah, I, I keep popping up like like a bad penny. I just keep showing up. So now I'm going to – all my insults, I've saved them for this appearance. So oh, we're, good. Yeah, let's go Yeah, back. you were way too nice to me in those other episodes. I was like, who is this person talking? I don't yeah, understand. I, but uh, those were all mother-related, and I don't really want to talk about that film ever again. So let's uh, I kind of don't want to that. either, and I liked it. Like, I'm done. I'm good now. But uh, we are going to talk about a film that we just finished discussing on your show, Pop Culture Case Study. We just did a, a uh, I don't know if it's a mini review. I would say it's damn near exhaustive for uh, Happy yeah, Death for Day. What that if movie, we did a, for what Happy Death Day demands, it's exhaustive. 20, 30 minutes, <laughs> it's exhaustive. We covered every, every we turned over every rock. So uh, the idea I had for it, how to sort of continue that conversation is, of course, the premise of that film uh, is getting – second, third, fourth, fifth chances in this case in the slasher genre. So the beautiful blonde who is attacked on college campus gets a reboot like a video game and try to figure it out next time. And for our pleasure and amusement, she is killed over and over again. But, you know, 
no fuss, no muss. She gets back up. She's still, <laughs> you know, a beautiful 21-year-old, presumably. I don't know. Uh, she's drunk, so she's a criminal <laughs> is what I'm getting at, and she deserves yeah. it. <laughs> Underage drinking, you deserve to be cut up to pieces. You should so, be writing horror movies. That is essentially the message it of would a lot of horror. So. Pay better than this podcasting bullshit. But here I am on my fifth or sixth <laughs> podcast this week. And so the thing that I've always thought about, especially when it comes to movie podcasting, is um, we're always sort of chasing the new, whatever the new release is. And sometimes that leads us to looking at old films. And you do that. You know, you have your main episodes. And I've done a few shows where – uh, I barely talk about the new movie. And I think, you know what? It's time we do that again. So in honor of Happy Death Day, if you want to hear our exhaustive review, go to Pop Culture Case Study where Dave and I discuss it. But I want to take that premise and talk about us reevaluating, giving a second, third, fourth chance to to films. In particular, maybe our previous on-the-record insights, if we have any. I'm going to have one one day. I plan to at some point. <laughs> I'll have an insight. So it's let's let's start happen. there. Has there been a, a film that you've – and maybe it was earlier in your sort of like movie podcasting career, if we want to call it that. Um, <laughs> career. Yeah, that's adorable. Hobby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, journey. You know. I don't know. I don't know how damaging to make it – Damaging hobby. Make yeah. it sound – yeah, damaging hobby is a good way to put it. Uh, it's a, the name – that's going to be the subtitle of this very podcast. <laughs> Marcus played Damaging Hobby. Has there been a film where you've you – know, you've okay, in that moment, you've sort of got it right – and then later on, you're like, okay, I wish I could take that back. And you know what? I can. I can go back and sort of reevaluate <laughs> and put this on the record and tell people what a horrible, horrible purveyor of taste in cinema that I am. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like in thinking about this, uh, two movies that come to mind, I think they both came out in the same year. And that's uh, Boyhood and uh, Birdman. Oh, well, uh, those two. They're, they're in, they played in the Super Bowl, right? A few years yeah. back. Yeah, and it's interesting. When I first – during that year, I was a big fan of Birdman, really, really loved it. And uh, the more I watch it, the worse it gets. Like I, you can start kind of picking at it, and it doesn't really work. And it feels like a director who wants to have his cake and eat it too. Like there's a lot of – there's a lot of – he's got a lot of ideas, and some of them kind of cancel each other out. So it kind of hurts the movie. I think the performances are still really good, but as a film, I think it really suffers. Um, and when I saw Boyhood, I was like – yeah, I had the Mike Denniston reaction. That was pretty good. Like that—that that was my reaction. I'm sure like, Linklater really likes getting that particular. <laughs> There's 25 years of. It's pretty good. Pretty good there, Richie. Not bad there. When's that baseball movie coming out? That's what I really <laughs> want to see. <laughs> exactly, but I remember, you know, uh, I think because you would not fucking shut up about Boyhood, um, I watched it again. Like just kind of like, okay, let me kind of wipe the slate clean and try to look at this with an open mind and not just think about it in terms of. I think, I think the idea of its of its hook, the fact that this was filmed over so many years, I think, can actually hurt it. If you're watching it thinking about that, because you're like, oh, well, that's that's the only thing I should care about, because like, oh, look, it's the same actor when he was a kid, when he was a teenager, like, that's really impressive. And it is. But it's also just like a really good movie. Um, and I think I, I just missed that the first time around. I I missed how how high of a quality film this is and actually how good Ethan Hawke is in this movie. Like, he's pretty tremendous. And I think he's one of those actors that if you. If you look at like film communities, like film Twitter, like he gets a lot of respect, but I think like the normal film goer, like the Ethan Hawke, and they're kind of like, who? Uh, I guess I know him from these couple movies, and they don't. They, there's no reaction, but I think he he should get a lot more credit than than he does. He had Not one of the best career, uh, but, 
best celebrity mean tweets that speaks just to that on Jimmy Kimmel. Ethan Hawke seems like a guy who wasn't supposed to be a movie star, but he slipped through the cracks and everyone was just like, okay. Exactly. That's the reaction he gets. But like, if you really watch some of his better work, and honestly, I, there's a couple movies he's done in his career where I'm like, oh god, this is bad. Like he did a version of Hamlet uh, when they were trying to make him this like, like superstar. It was oh like that. god, it's, it's part of the, terrible. Like, the early digital camera stuff too, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Really, really bad. But if you look at, um, I mean, even stuff he did this year, like he did a movie I think called Madi. Um, and he's really excellent there and great in boyhood, like, and even was enjoyable in like, you know, in doing action movies. Like he did that magnificent seven movie earlier this year, which is not a great film by any stretch of the imagination, but he really gives his all. You can depend on a dedicated performance from Ethan Hawke kind of at every turn. So, and, and this is, this is no exception to that. Um, and it's especially impressive because there are big, big like time periods during this movie where he has disappeared. Like he's not really there. So he has to like come into these scenes and make this huge impact and then leave again and then come back 40 minutes later and do it all over again. And I don't think he really has a weak moment in boyhood. I think that the issue I've always had with uh, sort of the, the boyhood criticism is this demand for more of an arc from our main character, the the actual boy, like this, mm. this kid who will then grow into a teenager. And that's, you know, where the film leaves him is, you know, first year, college you know so he he still doesn't really know shit about shit and he's, he's right. arrogant and the fact that he knows everything like but, a teenage boy right. that's what we do <laughs> but I, I think that a lot of the criticisms they really do miss you know ethan hawk and patricia arquette those are the two with the arcs i mean it's yes. not their movie but you're supposed to see how much they change because they're the adults they're the adults but they form to... this boy's life like yeah. that's they're the ones who should change. And I, I think that does get missed with the title of the movie. You're expecting this powerful story about this kid. And it's really this powerful story about this fucked up marriage and everything that goes wrong and how it, it's going to affect this kid. And unfortunately for him, you know, Ethan Hawke seems to become much more of a stand up, a responsible adult with his second family than the first time. Yeah. Because he was still somewhat of a boy at that point. He was yeah, still so irresponsible. Just his practice run. It's fine. He's just getting ready for the real thing. The attack run didn't happen right at the start. Yeah, you know, they did. Right. <laughs> there were there were a few uh, X wings that had to die first. So that's right. That's, that's right. what I plan to tell uh, any children that I have in the future when they're all fucked up. <laughs> you were a practice run. Sorry, kid. You've you've done the good deed for my next kids. That's all. Not everyone gets to be uh, Luke. You were red leader. How about that? That's red and right. gold leader. Right. I think good. I got him right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, to get it back to uh, Happy Death Day, which is basically the uh, successor to Boyhood. I mean, if it's Definitely. the same thing, there will be a criterion of it. That's right. It'll it'll lose the Oscar for Best Picture and we'll all be really upset. I mean, that's, that's how it's going to work. But it is interesting because there is this expectation that – and it's in, been spoken and uh, it's been made satire and something like adaptation where you have a, a sequence where – the very premise, the foundation of screenwriting is to present us with characters that have an arc and change. So even in this slasher film with this premise, we're meant to see this beautiful college blonde who is fairly irresponsible and fairly cliquish and not really open to meeting people from different walks of life, very closed off. She has to change. Even in a stupid slasher movie, we have to see her become respectable in some way. Uh, not the same for movie podcasters. Where's it? Why is there no, no. expectation? For, there's no, no expectation arc whatsoever. For change Just an arc. asshole in episode one, <laughs> an asshole in episode five hundred. No difference. Do you think there's a general fear uh, in you know 
this particular brand of criticism where you you know you do kind of go to to war with other film fans be it on twitter letterbox what have you that's like okay i'm i am right this is there i mean there's we're all operating under this presumption of an exchange of ideas or conversation mm -hmm. but it doesn't often feel that way it often just feels like Okay, I'm going to try to force you to submit in some way right. to my idea of what this film is and if it was successful or not. Do you listen? I mean, have you heard? Like, is there like a podcast that comes to mind that subverts that in any way? Where it's where people you do see those arcs or maybe mini arcs where people kind of by the end of the episode or even the end of their own review where they're sort of they're at a different place than when they started. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple that come to mind, and you know, it's a little unfair because they're friends of ours. But I think, I think a lot of episodes of True Romance and a lot of episodes of AB Film Review, especially AB Film Review, actually, and I think because you know Bernadette won't put up with Andrew's shit, like she'll challenge him, and you, it's interesting. You'll listen to him like start off really, really high in a movie, and as Bernadette like berates him through the review, like by the end, he's like. Yeah, I guess I rate that a little too high. And it's always good to have someone check us. Uh, Wait, but are you saying that the only way this succeeds is if we marry each other? Or if we yeah, become lifelong it, friends? I do believe with true bromance, I'm still not totally sure they're actually married to other people. I think that's the same uh, sort of beard. I haven't met them, so but even I don't with believe the, it. <laughs> even with their, their cover story, this was, you know, this was uh, <laughs> two guys in the military where one was. <laughs> Like mm -hmm. the commanding officer of sorts over, I believe, Hiro. I believe he was the yeah, one that had. Barry was the, yeah. So basically what, you know, those two examples you're citing, they were people that are very comfortable in their personal lives with a very different right. type of relationship. Right. And I don't know. I don't know if that translates to, because I certainly have not, uh, you know, you and I try, but I don't know which one of us. I don't think either one of us can be Bernadette in the way we speak to the other one. No, not and have our friendship survive. No, God, no. But I think you bring up a really interesting this point, interesting point, this idea of like, you know, and we, we said we weren't going to talk about Mother, but it reminds me of what I was so upset about with the quote unquote discussion about that movie is everyone is like, it's the best and you're an idiot or it's the worst and you're terrible. And it just becomes this. It's not a conversation anymore. It just becomes like I'm right and I'm going to make you submit to my will and, you, and you're going to know that I'm right by the end of this. And I think there's two things there. One, that's not a conversation. That's not interesting to me. And two it puts you in this really interesting place as a podcaster or even as just like a film person on Twitter of like, now I can never go back on this. Now I can never think about this in a different way. And I think that's been a really, uh, it's actually been really interesting over the last couple years to rewatch movies that I either hated as a kid um, or as a kid, as a teenager, or as a 20 year old um, and then watch movies that I liked and see how they change. And a lot of them change a lot. You know, like, I'll be like, I remember really hating this movie for, you know, totally invalid reasons. Like, my sister really likes this movie, so fuck this movie. It's stupid. I'm not going to watch it. And then I watch it now, and I'm like, you know what? This is pretty good. And I think coming at a movie at a different point in your life, I think we all bring our baggage into the theater with us. So if you watch a movie at 50 and you watch a movie at 20 and you have the exact same reaction, I've got some questions for you. <laughs> like you have not had your arc yet. Like things have not changed. And your experience of these movies should change depending on what you've experienced in your life. And I think that's interesting. But I think we have this attitude of like, well, I said it was five out of five stars on Letterboxd. So now forever I have to say it's the best movie <laughs> ever made, you know, instead of like, well, yeah, 
I really, really liked it when I saw a movie, when I saw it and I saw it in the theater and I was really excited. And then, you know, a month later, I was like not as excited about it. And that should be okay. You know, because I think we're all subject to these kind of whims of our energy as we see a movie. Sometimes you see a good movie in the theater and you're so excited. And if you talk about it too soon after you see it, it's just kind of like, oh, my God, it's Citizen Kane. It's Lawrence of Arabia. It's Vertigo. It's the best thing ever. And you're like, no, it's Happy Death Day. Like, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. You know, there you spoil my uh, review on your show. Stealing my lines. (laughs) <laughs> but no, I, I, there's even stuff that I – it's not that I've had a, a 180 as far as I went from like to dislike or vice versa. But like just an example tonight, we're we're planning like our Halloween party and so the theme is Stephen King. And so mm-hmm. you know, last year we did like Hitchcock. So same thing. We got into the mode where it's, it's a cool thing with me and my wife where I get to introduce her to different stuff she hadn't seen. Or we just – hey, we've not watched that in a while. And now we're, we're doing our own little homework. Like this is for – you know we get costume ideas or props, what have you. So it, we watched The Mist tonight, which she had not seen, which let me tell you, that's a that's a charming little film to, to end <laughs> off on. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I think her – I won't spoil it if you've not seen uh, The Mist, uh, dear listeners. But when we got to the end, my wife was like, well, that's not uh, how I expected that to end, nor how I wish it had ended. <laughs> 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 it's pretty pretty She's simple. Like, I don't like this. I don't like the way this makes me feel. <laughs> um, on a similar note – you know, I we came to like okay, what do we want to watch next? And it was like okay, we could do Misery or Carrie because we don't have time to do something like The Green Mile. Both great, yeah, both great movies. Yeah. I I agree, but I I had a much stronger reaction as a teenager to Carrie. Like Carrie to me was like fucking great, and it's like as a teenager, I was like I really get into. I can get behind what Carrie's doing, like burning your high school down. Who all hasn't the, thought about yeah, that? Yeah, all I mean, the, come the on. people that insulted you and all that. Like, I, I I, could watch that movie over and over. And it's not that technically it's any worse. Performances, love Spacek, love Travolta's hair. But I, I did watch it, you know, a year and a half, two years ago for War Machine versus War Horse. And I didn't – I don't know. It's like – I didn't want to ruin it. It's like, I almost wanted to take it out. And like, I just want to stop it. Like, let's take out the disc because right. I wanted to keep those memories of being like sort of an angry teenager when this really meant something to me. And mm-hmm. now I'm, now I'm just like, you know what? Uh, <laughs> like those sappy sort of, it gets better sort of commercials. I'm right. like, I'm not feeling as cool about Carrie just demolishing everyone, just murdering everyone. Sure. She, she gets some of the jerks yeah. in there. But it's also everyone else that probably has yep. never spoken to her. And I'm not as enthralled. I'm not clapping for this anymore. Yeah. Because I know there's there's a part two, three, four, five. You know, you gain a lot right. of weight. You lose a lot of hair. <laughs> there are other issues that come up than, you know, right. pig's doesn't blood. doesn't seem as important anymore. Whatever. Pig's blood. Walk it off. <laughs> Just let it go, kid. Go yeah. take a shower. You'll be fine. <laughs> but misery. Misery is something I liked as a teenager. But now seeing like James Caan sort of like – grapple and especially the, him playing like a part where he is he's been such a masculine figure in cinema right and seeing him strapped to bed and kathy bates annie wilkes coming up the scary part now is dave in my old age especially when it comes to listening to a lot of movie podcasts annie wilkes has some really good criticisms she does she's, she does <laughs> she, has, she has some valid points to be made and you know what she's passionate and uh she takes <laughs> a bit above board I mean, a little with the hobbling. It's a little much. <laughs> I could stand for a few iTunes reviews from, you know, personal Annie Wilkes <laughs> to be that glowing, that effusive in their praise of anything right. I do here at Marcus Played. I'm sorry, Paul. This is all wrong. What? You'll have to do it over again. 
It's not worthy of you. Throw it all out, except for that part of naming the gravedigger after me. You can leave that in. I really value your criticism, but maybe we're being a little hasty here. Paul, what you've written just isn't fair. Not fair. That's right. When I was growing up in Bakersfield, my favorite thing in all the world was to go to the movies on Saturday afternoons for the chapter plays. Cliffhangers. I know that, Mr. Man. They also call them serials. I'm not stupid, you know. Anyway, my favorite was Rocket Man. And once it was a no-breaks chapter. The bad guy stuck him in a car on a mountain road and knocked him out and welded the door shut and tore out the brakes and started him to his death. And he woke up and tried to steer and tried to get out, but the car went off a cliff before he could escape. And it crashed and burned, and I was so upset and excited. And the next week, you better believe I was first in line. And they always start with the end of the last week. And there was Rocket Man trying to get out. And here comes the cliff. And just before the car went off the cliff, he jumped free. And all the kids cheered. But I didn't cheer. I stood right up and started shouting, This isn't what happened last week! Have you all got amnesia? They just cheated us! This isn't fair! He didn't get out of the cock-a-doody car! They always cheated like that in um, chapter plays. But not you. Not with my misery. Remember, Ian did ride for Dr. Cleary at the end of the last book, but his horse fell jumping that fence, and Ian broke his shoulder and his ribs and lay all night in the ditch, and he never reached the doctor, so there couldn't have been any experimental blood transfusion that saved her life. Misery was buried in the ground at the end, Paul, so you'll have to start there. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder, like, and those are the type of conversations I like to hear on, on film podcasts, and there's one that I did listen to, which we didn't have a complete reversal, but it was more in line with what I'm talking about with, like, Carrie, where... Uh, this is a, a show that was actually recommended to me on, on Twitter when I said, hey, here's the topic I kind of have in mind. And this is from X-Rated Movies. And no, it's not one of my many uh, adult film podcasts I listen to. It's with to. an EX. It guys. is EX, yes. It is uh, – <laughs> the, the, the premise is, is two two guys who, who dated who are now like doing podcasts together. So and they, and they do it very well. They're very, very charming and uh, like their conversation. But the episode that I thought – did kind of fit was they were looking back at Scott Pilgrim from 2010. We are And then that long pan back. Um, and then it just was all that crazy um, on film animation yeah. during the title sequence. It was just like, if you're not on board in, in those five minutes, like, leave the theater. <laughs> this is what the movie is. So I saw this movie in theaters. And I actively remember it being, like, some of the most fun I've had in a movie theater. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it was because everyone in the theater were just, like, comic book nerds and video game nerds. And they were all just there to sort of revel in a movie that kind of just celebrated, like, all sorts of different facets of nerddom. Yeah. Like, you know, or all sorts of, like, geekiness, I guess, you know, with music and video games and movies. Mm -hmm. like. All just sort of wrapped into like one manga, package. I guess. Sure, sure, yeah. Sure, yeah. And everyone in the theater had a blast. Yeah. Everyone was just laughing at all the stuff. Just absolute good time, start to finish. And then I found out like later that this movie financially was a bomb. I was going to say, how many people were there in the theater? <laughs> like it wasn't sold out, but it was like a crowded theater. Okay. 
I think I think history is going to be kind to this movie eventually. It'll but, prove it right. Yeah, uh, like it's just such a shame that nobody watched it when it came out. Because it seems like people loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it's the way they marketed it or if like they didn't know how to package it or what. Mm -hmm. But um, and it's hard for me to be critical of this movie, like look at it with an objective viewpoint, because I am so into like everything across the board, and this movie really speaks to me as someone who's been in several failed music <laughs> projects in my 20s. Okay. So they may have been, I'm trying to think, just probably just slightly outside that age, but not by much. With all the 80s right. video game references, I don't know. The wheelhouse sure. for Scott Pilgrim was kind of all over the place as far as that, that yeah. Target demo. Uh, but that's a film that I have rewatched, and... I don't really want to rewatch it too much. Like I, I love the, the enthusiasm that Edgar Wright has for it, but uh -huh. going back to Carrie and it's some, some of the similar things they're talking about as far as like, you know, it's sort of a young man's game and how often, how often do you want to go back and then try to reappraise it as an old man? And do you diminish the film and your experience right. by then trying to reenter that headspace? Do you have, is there a movie like that that comes to mind where you're like, you know what? I mm. should just leave that on the shelf. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Interesting. I, I think I'm now. I just keep thinking about Scott Pilgrim because I actually recently rewatched that and did that for the for the show. And I kept asking myself, like, why haven't I watched this more? Because I only watched it, you know, you know, I think once in the theater and once at home. And I think you're right. I think it probably does lose some of that that excitement, that enthusiasm. Um, I think I think movies that I wouldn't want uh, to rewatch um, are things that. I really enjoyed when I was a teenager, but even then kind of knew that they had their, their faults. You know, if you look at like old school horror movies, like the Friday, the 13th, the nightmare on Elm street, that kind of stuff, like Halloween still works for me, but those other two, it's like, it's so silly and so over the top. And it's so like on the nose, like titillating. Like they're just like, it's for a teenage audience. And I think if I went back to rewatch those, I would just be like, this is fucking dumb. Like, I'm too old for this. This doesn't work for me. Like, I can't I can't get into this. Um, so I think, like, as tastes change, like, in general, I think people tend to get more mature in the in the movies they watch. I think that's a general rule. I don't think it's always true. Um, so it would be hard for me to watch, like, horror movies like that or, like, slapstick comedies. You know, like, I think, I think Will Ferrell movies are a young man's game. Like, I can't imagine, like, going back – and, you know, watching things like Blades of Glory in my late 30s, I'd just be like, nah, you're obnoxious and I don't want to listen to you. Whereas, you know, maybe when I was in my 20s, it's like, okay, this is he's a jackass and it's funny to watch. Uh, but it'd be really hard for me to get into now. Well, you also I mean, I think that's there's a good reason why in particular like those comedians, you know, try to pull like a Jim Carrey or something, try to do a Truman show, uh, Man on the Moon, yep. Majestic. You know, you look at that, that late 90s run there. Mm, Stranger the Than Fiction for Will Ferrell. Right. Yeah. You you want to diversify your, your portfolio just a little bit to where you're not just yeah. the Napoleon Dynamite guy. I, I don't remember. Right. <laughs> you know, you got to you got to do something else. Um, yep. There's there's another side of this conversation kind of touching off of Scott Pilgrim where. I think fans are desperate for a reappraisal because they want someone to see all the good and all the passion they have for this. They want other people to catch on to it, which is it, sure. it, there's a strange gatekeeping going on with any sort of fan community. You know, it could be 
uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, X-Files, what have you, where it's like, oh, you're not a true fan because you don't know mm. this side character or you didn't yeah. – you weren't into the original sort of uh, expanded you universe stuff. You don't know who stuff. Wedge Ed Chili's is, so yeah. you know, I, I, how dare you? <laughs> I read the, uh, the the Lost Tales of like the Moss Eisley Cantina. I have that paperback <laughs> off that. But like, okay, just recently, and I I don't want to you know feature the film too much because it was just on the prior episode. But you know, Blade Runner twenty four nine is an example of, okay, so Blade Runner they think that there is some sort of appeal, and they were wrong to mainstream audiences. But now you're seeing history repeat itself, where the people who are really passionate about this film are hoping that it, yep. it mirrors the original, where it gets a second evaluation and becomes this classic and is held up by future generations. And you're also seeing somewhat similar to like what happened with the mother, the people who are passionate about it kind of raging at others. And maybe people like you and myself, who they would expect to be allies in this fight. They're like, yeah, it's, right. it's, it's okay. I guess it's got some good. I don't know. It's kind of long, a little boring at times. <laughs> so for something like that, you know, what do you think that's healthy for fans now to like, and Scott Pilgrim was one of them. You know, there were, mm-hmm. the, there's a lot that's saying like, okay, you know, this will catch on Firefly is another famous one. If this movie, you know, we right. can get a trilogy out of this. Do you think fans should go with that or should they just enjoy, just enjoy the the ride while they have it? Yeah, it's interesting. I think if you had asked me this question a couple of years ago, I'd have a very different answer, but I'm of the mind now, like just, just enjoy what's, what's there. You know what I mean? I, is it really going to affect your life that much if in fucking 30 years people think Blade Runner 2049 is a misunderstood work of genius? Like, I don't know. It just it just doesn't affect me anymore. Like, you know, you mentioned Mother, and Mother's a movie I really love, but I have no desire to change the hearts and minds of everyone who doesn't. Like, I, I think in some ways for me as a film fan, it makes it a little more valuable. Like, it, it, it feels a little closer to me now because there's so many people who – quote unquote, didn't get it or didn't like it or whatever. And it's like, yeah, okay, so this is mine and this small group of people. Instead of like, I don't know, it's not that exciting when everyone likes a movie and it's heralded as a work of genius by critics and the audiences loved it. Like that's that becomes less interesting and less challenging. And I tend to like movies that are challenging and that you know, that that puts you in a place where it's it's almost difficult to explain why you like or dislike something. I think I think that's the exciting thing about art. But if you know, if you take a movie like and I'm just kind of pulling this out, if you take a movie like Schindler's List, which is like impossible to dislike, like everyone loves that movie. Every critic gave it an A plus. It made a bunch of money. It won a bunch of Oscars. It's like, OK, that stops for me. The conversation stops being interesting. And you mentioned this a couple of times. It becomes the Chris Farley show. You know what I liked about this? Yeah, that was cool. And then you just keep going and it's like, okay, well, then there's no talking points. There's nothing to grab onto if everyone thinks this is good, which is why I think discussions about things like Blade Runner 2049 and Mother are a bit more interesting than discussions about the movies that everybody loves or the the movies that everybody hates. Like, that's just I'm completely disinterested by that. And there, there are certain films like uh, came out last year, the The Love Witch which mm-hmm. I couldn't even I couldn't verbalize. I don't I don't have the background to explain to people why I dug that movie. Like it's, oh, to yeah, me, it's just same. like this is just you know I'm not familiar with the shit they're referencing, and so I right. can't call back to that. But it still works, even as mm-hmm. someone who's completely ignorant to to all the stuff they were inspired by. Like 
I, I just think it's like, it's just a really fucking cool movie. Like, I'm like, I'm yep. just looking, I'm like, I don't really know why. Like, it's sort of like that, the, uh, the, the Simpsons thing when, when Twin Peaks was on originally where Homer's on the couch, like late at night and it's like the jazz music's playing and he's like enraptured by it, transfixed by a screen and he's, I have no idea what's going on. Like, that's, right. that was me with the Love Witch. I'm just like, you know, I kind of get the basic plot here, but this is something sure. that I want to hear other people uh, discuss and I guess if I was passionate about something, you know, I would, I would hope I would aspire to be like that replacement song. Uh, Alex Chilton, it's actually one of the like, one of their more popular sort of songs where it's basically about him complaining, bemoaning, but with sort of a more positive bent that in his fancy world, his favorite band, Big Star, would have been on the radio like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. Uh-huh. Everyone would have known all these songs that he loves, and he wouldn't have to like, in some regards, shove it down people's throats. And I get that. I understand it. But I don't think it comes across uh, like that Alex Chilton song with a very catchy chorus and hook of sort right. of positivity. Uh, I think it comes across as you failed me as like a fellow film fan. And right. I, now you're going to pay for it by listening to my bitching because Blade Runner yeah. 2049 did not tear the uh, box office world on fire. And it's interesting, like given that that kind of idea, it makes you wonder like, OK, does that does that still remain your favorite band or your favorite movie? If it is on the radio, if it is, if it does have a $300 million budget and everyone sees it and everyone loves it, or does it lose a little something? Does it lose some power? If like, if, if you don't have this ability to like maybe see or hear what other people are missing, I think there's, there's some fun in that and enjoying a movie that other people dislike, or even some in some cases despise, you know, it's nice to have that, that little moment of like, I'm getting something out of this that other people aren't. I think that's fun. It doesn't mean they're wrong and I'm right. It just means we come at movies from a different perspective. And that may, that's what makes the conversation interesting. Yeah. I often cite Pulp Fiction as my, my favorite film of all time and maybe not as much now, but certainly for a long stretch, especially if you were in the nineties saying that the late 90s there would be some eye rolling there because people are oh, yeah. fucking sick of pulp fiction in particular i think that's still there tarantino <laughs> but yeah. you know it's like it's never it's never going to be displaced for me because for me that'll always be in a certain way like the the first film or the first time i reevaluated why i like movies mm-hmm. and had to look at it differently than just going to see speed and thinking speed's an awesome action movie which it fucking is and i would have no yeah. problem with, if someone said speed was their favorite movie Cool. That's all right. I would want to hear why. Let's have that conversation. Yeah. But, you know, it was it was a very passive just medium. It was just it was no different up until Pulp Fiction for me than just watching something on television. It was just right. like, OK, I'm just watching a story on a screen. And that right. was the first time where I, I wanted to find out who are these people that made this? Why did they make this? Why did they right. why are they having these conversations in this particular story? And so for me, it'll never be displaced. And I, I think there is a little bit of a fear with that, you know, sort of repping that sort of street cred you have. And it's that, that weird line you have to balance between like picking something that does speak to you personally mm-hmm. and then wondering if like, does this look good enough on my letterbox account? Does this yeah, look cool? Right. Like, you know, Should that go in my top four? Um, <laughs> like that high fidelity scene where uh, Jack Black accuses uh, Cusack's character of trying to slip one in like among yeah. all the old standards, <laughs> like he <laughs> slips in one, <laughs> one cool track or one offbeat thing into your list. Uh, right. And I don't think I have that. I don't, I don't know. Uh, what, what is your, what, what's your letterbox? Is it four? Is it like, do you, is it still four? Yeah, it's top four is what they do. So what's your what's think, your top five? Let's you know I, that way I can brand this a top five list, and we will suddenly get listeners for this fucking bullshit podcast we're doing. 
All right. As for everything else, I do have a list of my top five movies. So, but I think it's interesting. I think I make a distinction between best and favorite. Um, I, so I'd have like a hard time with best man. I would have a hard time being yeah. like, I don't feel, I'm not qualified to tell you what's the best out of all the movies that are made. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard. Right. But I, but there are, there are movies that speak to me personally and there are movies that I'm like, okay, that's an amazing film. Um, you know, like I, I love Lawrence of Arabia, uh, but it's not a movie that I can just like on any day, like, let me just pop that on. Like it is a sit. Like, like, okay, speed. I gotta, what are you talking I gotta, about? <laughs> yeah. I gotta like plan out my day to, <laughs> to really watch that. Um, but like, you know, there's also movies like uh, Pan's Labyrinth, which I genuinely think is one of my favorite and one of the best movies ever made. And I think that is something that would probably be like me kind of slipping one in, uh, as you say, in the in the kind of John Cusack way. But, you know, uh, and also movies like like I mentioned earlier, the the original Halloween, I think, is a fantastic horror movie and really holds up. Um, but also like in a movie you introduced me to Vertigo is on there, too. And that is a movie that strangely, like, I feel like I can watch at any time. Like, it doesn't feel sometimes great movies feel like work. You know, I'm not just going to pop on Citizen Kane or Casablanca or Chinatown, you know, just as I'm relaxing on a weekend, you know. But Vertigo is a movie I can just throw on kind of at any time. And it and it's one of those movies that does tend to improve with rewatch for me. Like the first time I watched it, I absolutely loved it. And it doesn't seem to suffer from rewatch either. So that would probably be on that list, too. I mean, uh, how dare you uh, say Chinatown's not fun? Uh, incest, always fun, always fun. Boiler. <laughs> <laughs> Can I spoil something from '74 at this point? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, if you download a podcast that's titled uh, "Happy Death Day" and we're you know almost half hour in, and we're like, yeah, you know, it's got a chick in it and she gets stabbed. So yeah, I probably have spoiled it. And I think it's it's interesting though you talking about like the movie that kind of changed you as a. As a film watcher, I think that's an interesting conversation, too, because, you know, you mentioned Blade Runner 2049 and the first Blade Runner is the movie that did that for me that kind of made me question, like, what I see in movies and how they're made. And, you know, the fact that you can have a movie that doesn't have like your standard structure to it and that kind of goes in really different directions. And the first time I watched Blade Runner, I liked it, but I wasn't a big fan of it. I was just because it just didn't it didn't jive with what I thought movies were. And then, like, upon rewatch, it was one of those things like, oh, my God, this is is like this is an art form you can do whatever you want with it there doesn't have to be this standard three-act structure and the same thing with pulp fiction like you know what we're gonna do we're just gonna cut this completely out of order and you're gonna have to put it together and we're not gonna spoon feed you what's happening with these characters like we're gonna show a character dying in in the 60 minute mark and then seven in the 75 minute mark he's gonna pop up again and you're like whoa wait and you have to kind of put it together yourself and it does challenge you so i think it's it's interesting that we both we both would pick movies that are that do something a little bit different that kind of challenge the viewer without telling them exactly what's going on. Well, that's the problem with movie podcasters, though, right? We have to sort of verbalize. Here's why we like this. That sort of sense right. of discovery yeah. and surprise um, is removed a lot. I mean, you can avoid trailers, you can avoid the marketing materials, but if you're still sort of hooked in to film discussion on whatever sort of social media platform you're a part of, you can't help but I have to watch myself sort of form opinions or counter opinions to like what I feel like is the narrative at that point about a certain film. And so it becomes fun, even though we've not discussed it much. We did on your podcast, pop culture case study, happy death day, because it feels like you just 
go to the movies and you come out and you just have a conversation. I don't feel like there's a, you know, with Blade Runner, <laughs> you know, should I feel any sort of guilt and shame that I didn't like love it and adore it because it's failing? Like, you know, do I lose my hipster film Twitter card? Hey, you paid for your ticket. Yeah. You saw it. You did but, more than most people in America did for it, so <laughs> <laughs> you actually saw it. And look, it, you know, as I said, if you've got that uh, Paul Westerberg, Alex Chilton sort of vibe for it, if you if you're if there is this like true passion and fantasy that you're like, man, I wish this had caught on. That's one thing, but also, you know, Hiro from True Romance, he's always very much opposed, even though strangely he's now co-creating a show where we're discussing the discussion around films. He doesn't like that sort of infecting like your initial viewpoint of it but I, I think that if you're really into and this is a hobby you it's somewhat disingenuous if you don't admit like okay this is a talking point this is where the conversation is right. vertigo now I mean that you brought it up it can't help but at some point I'm going to do it someone bring up that people hated it then it tanked oh yeah they did yeah completely I mean now on all these lists it's like number one number two number right. five but back then like people this is not psycho this did not catch this did not catch the nation on fire uh, for this Hitchcock movie like this is a movie that if we didn't think about these things if we didn't rewatch things and get a new perspective then vertigo would be lost forever no one would ever watch it because no one watched it when it was in theaters. Well, the conclusion we're coming to is that we are going to be the, the people that put Blade Runner 2049 down. <laughs> we're going to be the ones that missed the modern vertigo. And maybe we did. And I'm okay with that because, you know, it's the great thing about these movies. that It ends up you can watch them again later with an open mind and try again. And maybe I did miss something. That's totally possible. You know, and you get to if you unless you're so set on like what I said on my podcast is the right thing and I can never go back on it, then it's kind of cool to be able to watch this five, ten years later and be like, okay, let me I have all my expectations out. I'm not thinking this is going to be the next the quote unquote next Blade Runner. It's just like, let me watch this movie and see what I can get from it. And you might get a lot more from it. And that's pretty great. Do you feel like the rules apply differently to film than something like music? Where people you do hear more often people freely saying like, yeah, I listened to that album again and it you know now I have a different bent on it or like listening to music on repeat is a natural way of interacting with the medium. Mm -hmm. Whereas with movies, it's either a failure on the film's part or a failure on your dumbass's part to not get it the first time. And right. I don't I don't feel like we challenge people that way when it comes to their music taste when they sort of alter uh, what they're listening to or how they feel about a particular band or artist. Yeah, it is very different. And I wonder why that is. And some of it probably has to do with the way films are monetized as opposed to the way music has been monetized over its history. Where, where music, if you wanted it, you went and bought the album. I mean, now you just you know click and buy the album online. But you buy the album and, okay, I got this, so I might as well listen to it. And even if I didn't really like it the first time, let me pop it on again and see if anything strikes me. Whereas with a movie, um, you, know, you, you pay for your ticket uh, and it's only in theaters for like a month. And then once it's gone, it's kind of gone. And if you really liked it, you can rent it or you can watch it and and buy it, you know, on disc or however you do it. But a lot of people don't. I think sometimes in this kind of film Twitter world and in this podcast, this film podcast world, we start to think that like everybody in the world has these massive collections of movies. And that's just not true. Like most people you talk to will have like 20 movies 
in their house. Watching They're something not twice is kind of absurd for them. And yeah, I think it's, exactly. you know, it's, it's a time commitment. Also, you know, music yeah. can be a passive form of entertainment. It's on yeah, the background. Yeah, it can be ambient. It could be in the background. Yeah, it's movies, it's a little harder to do that because it's like sound and images are kind of demands your attention and you're not going to keep up with it. Um, if you're if you're watching it, if it's this passive activity and other things are going on with music, things will just kind of leak through and you'll catch things and you'll catch melody and you'll catch lyrics. And it's enough to kind of make you latch onto it, whereas the movie has this, you know, it's it's kind of similar like with music, if it's very different listening to a standard album as it is listening to a concept album. Right. Like if you go back to like the 70s and stuff like, you know, when the who put out Tommy, you know, it was a very it was a story. So you really had to pay attention to it. But if you look, listen to the who, like who's next, you can just listen to that in the background and it's totally fine. It doesn't demand your attention the way a film does. So you have to be willing to sit down for 120 minutes or more and really focus on this thing. So it's not just something you can do kind of whenever you do have to carve out time in your day. So it takes a lot more effort to watch a movie a second time rather Rather than listen to an album a second time, and it can be a, a suspicious activity to you know your friends and family. Like if you're, I think of that, uh, but the, you didn't like that. Why are you watching it again? Like the uh, the George Costanza crush on Marissa Tomei, where he's watching My Cousin Vinny like again and again, and his fiance is like, "Oh, you already saw that. Why are you watching? Why are you reappraising My Cousin Vinny already?" <laughs> it's like he's holding the pillow. Just leave me alone. And basically, like, <laughs> let me watch My Cousin Vinny. So, um, yeah, that's that's basically how I live my life. I take my cues from Costanza, healthy. It's a good call, except <laughs> for being a Yankees fan. You you don't want that. No, alone. no. I mean, if I was getting my paycheck from them, like Costanza, well, sure, yeah, true. whatever. Um, so yeah, I uh, we have no conclusions. That's the premise of the show. We uh, we just <laughs> the toss conversation the, continues. Yeah, we just toss the ball around, and you can uh, you know keep subscribing and maybe we'll we'll pick this up next week we probably won't me and dave are not doing this again ever where this is it this is our final show Way too much work. <laughs> that's it hope you liked it we're done <laughs> i'll leave you with uh the replacements and alex chilton i'd reference it enough here it is so thank you for listening to our review of happy death day <laughs> again <laughs> This has been Marquez Plate. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on iTunes or your pod player of choice. You can also find this podcast on followingfilms.com alongside some other great podcasts like Dave's show, Pop Culture Case Study, and my show, Projecting Film. I don't know what we're going to cover next week uh, as we have uh, a lot of options here, and that's the cool thing about doing this show. So it really just depends on what we're listening to as far as the discussion from other film podcasts and the film community online. So maybe it'll be on horror films with Jigsaw. Maybe we'll look at uh, the Clooney Coen Brothers collaboration Suburbicon. Or I believe my boy Miles Teller has another movie out. So if I'm on it, it's probably going to be on Miles Teller. And yes, I do mean that as sexually as possible. If you'd like more of those particular film insights and why wouldn't you Follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Marcus Played Pod. Oh, 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 yeah,